Welcome everyone to the Goodman Podcast. And today we have Dr. America Fair, a good friend of mine from EO. We met several years back uh, during the COVID times. And I'm, I'm a big fan of him, the way he he brings his true self all the time. But let's start by asking Amir, Amir, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you do? Great. Raj, first of all, thank you for having me. This is really cool that we can play together after being in a forum together. And, uh, and although not long, but you've left a very, very powerful impression, I think, of all of us in terms of the depth and the seriousness of how you do stuff. And I think this might be one of those things that you do that you're very serious about. So I'm very privileged to be on your on your podcast here today. Um, let me say a few things about myself. So um, I am Israeli. I was born in Jerusalem. I'm the ninth generation from Jerusalem. And uh, I lived here in Israel most of my life, other than a few pitch chapters, mostly in the U.S. for education at lower age and then for my Ph.D. I have been uh, trained to be an organizational consultant with, with a Ph.D. in management and in transformation and started working and doing this in YPO, doing a turnaround, then becoming a forum resource for the last, I think, 23 or 25 years. So I've been running forum trainings all over the world and developing programs uh, around forum. I was then asked to be a moderator of a peace forum, uh, first between Israelis and Arabs, then between Tix, uh, Greeks and Turks and Turks and Armenians and Hindu and Pakistan and Jews and Muslims. So I've practiced the process of bringing dialogue around conflict at a nation level that drove me eventually to have a TED talk on the subject matter and to write this book called Nonflict, the Art of Everyday Peacemaking that is about learning how to resolve conflicts. That then asked from some people to go and help do social change. So not only deal with conflict at a macro level, but more at a local level, and I was invited in India by a member of the organization who owns Sakal Media in Pune, Napiji uh, Pawar, to bring forum into women. And so I started working with women in India, training them how to do forum. That became a huge movement that overall trained about 145,000 women who are actively engaged in meeting and driving change, both in their life, but also in the life of uh, the people around them, safe street, safe bathroom for girls, pollution, and so on and so forth. So it became like really a movement of good. Similarly, in South America with kids who came from broken homes that started practicing Muay Thai. The principle was called sport is your gang. So if you belong to a group of sport, that is your gang. That is a gang for good. And so one way that they've supported each other once again, they created forums. So what we're seeing here is how forum is powerful in so many ways because the underlying principle of forum is a group of people that take care of each other and watch each other's back. It's not just about idea exchange. It's about being there for each other. That is the real test of the value of forum. That took me to bringing forum into companies. CEOs around the world said, look, Amir, if these are the principles, those are the principles I'm looking for in my company. I don't want to have silo. I don't want to have people competing with each other. But how do you get into a place that is fested with conflict of interest? People are competitive. And bring something like forum. 
And slowly it worked. It worked with leaders who were willing to be vulnerable, who came to them and said, hey, guys, I'm not sure I know how to handle this. What do you think? And started to open it up and create that protocol that gradually became very solid way of how we run forums and businesses. Not only, by the way, at the top group, but also we cascaded into the level of the N minus two, the head of supply chain, the head of sales. Then we took it into N minus three, which blew our mind because we took one from accounting and one from front desk and one from, and we put them together to solve problems organically. And what we saw is what people call agile because people started learning how to collaborate and figuring out what can we do? How can we do more with less? Which means I don't have to own the highway in order to drive it. We can share resources across the organization. You have a lot of pressure in front desk at five o'clock when the air crews are coming. Hey, I have somebody in accounting that used to work for front desk. Why don't you give a call? We'll break our, send her over. She'll come and help there. And so it's like a family. We help each other. We don't need to all buy all the potential resources. We had a baby. We have the crib. You now have a child. Hey, we pass on the crib and the clothes that my son used to wear for six months. So there is a, there is a culture of taking care of each other. And of course, I talk about families now because this I find to be the most fascinating frontier is how do you bring them into families? But this is not, by the way, disassociated from business because many times in a company we say that people are feeling a conflict or an imbalance or a lack of ability to manage personal and family and business life. And the answer is not work-life balance, because this is an ongoing, continuous dilemma that is not going to go away. It's actually work-life, business, work-family, life integration. What does it mean, integration? Integration means the ability to bring both of them closer to each other. And this is how it looks. We know one direction very well. People say we need to bring more family into business. What do we do? We celebrate birthday. We have a small kitchen. People can bring their food. We cook together something small or at least eat it in the microwave. You know, we create some small intimate moments. And if somebody has a new grandson born, we have a small party. We hang a balloon and we say, hey, we love each other. We are mindful of your dynamic in life, very important. But most people are torn by the fact that they're not there with their kids when they wake up in the morning long enough. They don't put them to sleep. They don't spend enough time. They don't spend enough vacation time. And the answer to that is to bring more structure that is very typical to the business world into the family, structure of how we meet. We have in a business an understanding that the board meets once a quarter, the executive committee meets once every two weeks or once a month, the, the, the operational teams in the business meet on a weekly basis. There's a predictable pattern of governance of how we come together. Uh, there's an understanding that in October we start budgeting planning, in January we launch the new year, mid-year we do a mid, whatever, right? There are certain rituals. Why don't we bring rituals to the family? 
why don't we take the family and create within the family this continuous relationship of being aware of each other? What's going on with you? Just like we do in our forum, the check-in, which should not be called an update, by the way, because update means that the other people are the client. You're actually the client of your own process check-in. And you say, what's going on in my life? What am I grateful for? What gives me amazing energy? What saps away my energy? What takes me from being truly present? And those things, either on the personal front or my my job area front or us as a team that is not well collaborated or the organization that is not well integrated with the market and thus becomes disintegrated and losing market share and so on and so forth. These are all the same kind of phenomena that we need to A, see what works well and what we're grateful for and B, see what is a challenge and be able to deal with it sooner rather than later because there's a pattern that bad news travels slow. And we want to learn how to react quickly, how to really engage in a fast way in the way that we deal with issues in the business. And this is the unique opportunity. I love it, Amr. I must say, this is why I always admire who you are and your experience and knowledge into what you do. Because me thinking about forum, which I do obviously with EO, is so different from what I do with my family. And what you're saying is, well, integrate forum values into your family, which is phenomenal. Uh, but before we dive deeper into that, I'd like to kind of go back to something you said, which was about sort of, you know, you help with peace across um, countries, perhaps people from different countries, continents, um, individuals with different beliefs and faith. I'd love to understand what is your experience in that sort of looking at using forum or maybe directly why did you use forum in that space and maybe you have any case studies or some, some examples for us to kind of dive deeper into just so we can understand a little better um forum anybody that knows forum and if you don't i truly encourage you either to join one or join an organization that has a forum whatever it is that fits in your profile your kind of business but of course, both EO and YPO are good environments that I've been exposed to and a member of, at least of EO, to understand from inside out, are what people say the best part of the whole thing, right? And it's, it's very interesting. People go and they have the most amazing event. They go to these universities. They're hosted by the local people in a very private setting. They might be sick with the prime minister or with the president in a private kind of gathering. You would think that that is what people would argue is the real thing or the networking capability, right? Very powerful. You sit with people who are the most successful, elite at what they do, and they are accessible to you on a phone call away with a code of conduct that we respond to each other within 24 hours. Very powerful. And yet the majority of the people when they leave and you ask them, what was the big value you got? They say, forum. You ask them why? They say, forum saved my marriage. Forum saved my relationship with my kid. Forum saved my business big time. I need to tell you something. When that group was on my back to go and have that health check, Forum saved my life. And that language that they have been there for me, that they saved me, that they made a big inference for me in my life, is what makes this thing so powerful. 
we all have friends from school, from different places in life. But it is not the kind of relationship that operates under this confidentiality that allows for some of the most difficult conversations to take place, where people are truly going to be vulnerable. Well, guess what? All that is essential also in a business. Because if we want to build a company, the most important thing that we want to put an emphasis is on the culture. Peter Drucker said, Culture eats strategy for breakfast. What does it mean when you say that? Basically, the strategy will change over time. But it is culture that is fundamentally the code of contact of how we relate to each other that creates the spirit of the organization. And what is spirit? You see, the sails on the boat is the structure that supports your sails. But the collaboration of the team around moving the boat and shifting sails and moving around is the spirit. This is the wind in our, in our, in our sails. And that wind is a consciousness of an awareness of energy. It is the energy that flows through our sails. What is the energy in the business? It is a relationship. The energy is a dedicated, group of people that channel all their capabilities in one direction like a laser. What takes that away? Ego, internal fights, competition, uh, uh, putting down people, finger pointing, blaming, fear, shame, all those things take tremendous energy from the performance of the organization. So if we are able to create a culture where we put aside ego and all of these derivatives that I just managed, this could be very powerful. This could be very, very powerful. And I want to, you've asked for some examples, so I'll give you a few just that over the year to this. And these are examples that I've been given permission to share, so they're, they're not secretive in this respect. I started doing this work um, largely in, in Russia. Why Russia? Because Russia doesn't have a strong participative management culture. It wasn't very common that a lot of people will have a say rather than having somewhat of a strong leader. And although the notion of communism and, and sharing was there, still it was very much surrounded by a culture of power, a culture of authority, a culture of patriarch, so like a, a strong figure, father figure kind of a and in that environment, it became clear that we're not making the best decisions because we're not truly capitalizing on the brain power of all people. When you introduce forum, all of a sudden we start hearing people. We start getting their different points of view, but in a way that is very constructive to the issue. So I'm working with a company that is in the agricultural field. Now, I don't know if you know this, Raj, but if you get on a plane in Moscow and you fly 10 hours west, you're in New York. If you fly 10 hours east, you're still in Russia. <laughs> That's a big country. Now, how do you control a country like this? How do you control what somebody will do three, six, seven thousand miles away from you? That his decision will be aligned with the principles and the values of who we are and how we evaluate what's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. 
And the key component in that is culture. Our understanding of the code of behavior, the values, the business, the business principle that are driving us. So when you get people to start getting involved in defining those things and to start using their group in an open way where the leader can come in a vulnerable way and say, hey, guys, I have a challenge. I'm not sure how to deal with that. Through that, other managers will come next time around and say, I have a challenge. And we know that if the guy who is managing supply chain has a problem, we all have a problem because he is the weakest link right now in the chain. Tomorrow, it could be some other function. So it's very critical that we are able to support and build this conversation where people come to the table. They totally disconnect from any other pressure, so they become very present. They sign a contract of confidentiality. They understand the notion of nothing, nobody, never. And they start engaging first with some heart warmer, icebreaker. Somebody in my career that supported me greatly, a mentor that I had, an event that shifted my career altogether. Any one of those questions that are in the context of business, but sometimes not only, that create that connection. And then they go and they start talking about what's going on for me. What's happening? And through that self-reflection of what is going on for me as an individual, for which I got a lot of resistance at the beginning, because people said, why is that anyone's business? And that's very typical in some cultures that people are very reluctant to share personal things. And I said, look, guys, we're human beings. We bring ourselves to work, but there's a person, there's a family, there is a relationship. All that is part of this equation that is called me. They said, no, I don't want to talk about that. I said, okay, can you tell us something good that's going on in your life? Forget sharing bad. And somebody said, yes. Uh, my son was accepted to this great school. Bravo. Well, a few months down the road, after starting with just talking about business issues, I was in a room and somebody presented that they had a child that had autism born. And this is affecting them very negatively in the family, not only because of the child, but because the couple is unable to handle the bad news. You know, when something like this happens, often there's a grieving period going on for people because they understand that this is not something that will go away over time. They will need to live with that. And it's very hard for them, both for them but also for their understanding of how their child will be feeling socially awkward for many, many years in many situations. And they were almost getting into a, a very difficult place in their marriage. And everybody in the group started sharing. Similar experience, dealing with shame in life, not necessarily around the same case, but just the notion of shame or guilt or, or sadness. Talking about different resources that could be available to help deal with that. We're talking about an executive group that is talking about a very personal issue of one of the members. When they stepped out of that meeting, when there was some crying in the group and there was some hugging in the group, they were never the same group. They understood, they saw each other for human beings that have a difficulty and they stood there for each other as human beings. And if I know that you will be there for me as a human being, and two weeks later you call me on a business dilemma that I need your help from accounting, 
The time it's going to take you to respond to me is instantaneous because you owe me one. You're my brother. We take care of each other, watch each other's back. So from a relationship that is highly competitive, all of a sudden emerges this relationship of deep caretake that is so meaningful for people to know that I'm not alone, that this is not a cutthroat, that the enemy is maybe outside if it is an enemy, but definitely not inside among us. And then there was a protocol of continuity, of regularity. Once a month we meet for three or four hours. We end up that evening probably with either going out to drink or for dinner together. Mm -hmm. And in those we tend to talk more about more long-term strategic issues that are not the day-to-day -day emergencies that we need to solve. You know, we deal with forum often with important and urgent. Here we might be dealing more with the more important issues, less urgent, but we will also reinforce our relationship. And a good business has a good balance between the short-term and the long-term. This is a beautiful way through a process of new socialization with each other to develop an awareness of the long-term and the interdependency we have between us. And that is very powerful. That's amazing. Again, Namir, depth of knowledge, the way you articulate everything is phenomenal. I could never imagine that forum could be used in this way the way you using it. I remember I was in this forum mashup in Malaysia a few months back, probably a couple of years back. And, you know, I know after the, the mashup, all of us, you know, cried our hearts out and we used to give a big hug to each other. And that was such a calming experience because here we are, you know, we, we call ourselves to be strong business leaders. You know, we lead the, the, you know, the group of people who are motivated to kind of go to different things for us. And here we are individuals. Who at the core of us have a have a heart and we have feelings and we can discuss that and talk about it and that to bring into conversation with people who don't talk about personal items uh, it's a great example you shared with us. Thank you for that, Amir. Just to build on that a little further, do you feel and do you believe that to really get into challenges around conflict, whether it's in the company, whether it's in the nations, whether it's in a group of people, we need to kind of really dive deeper into a more personal relationship in order to achieve that? Or do you feel like that's just one strategy to do it? Or do you feel that like that is the most important way to kind of achieve peaceful resolutions amongst group of people, companies, et cetera, et cetera? Good question, Raj. Um, there's sometimes a chicken and an egg question around do you first build intimacy and closeness or do you first make progress on the issue and then relieve certain level of tension that will allow for some closeness to emerge? It's not fully clear and it's very much dependent on the people in the room, somewhat their personality of how they handle issues. Uh, in the Arab-Israeli conflict that I managed, the first day was very difficult because there was a lot of, you know, accusation or blaming. Um, you guys are exploding here. You guys are con 
conquering, you guys are colonializing, you guys are preaching for death. So it was very hard. But then we went to dinner. You know, and if you take uh, uh, 12 people from a very similar culture when you think about it, and we start telling jokes to each other, then become all of a sudden playful. The night, the jokes, the humor changed the whole thing. That became a very beautiful relationship. People are very mindful of each other and sort of like see each other in, in our similarities rather than in our differences. Because when you really think about it, when you're coming to close a gap, you start by thinking how real different we are and how non-trusting we are and non-respecting necessarily of the differences. And over time, you learn to respect the difference. You learn to see the value of the different ways of looking at it. And you start developing a sense of trust because it's a tit for tat. Um, in, in one of those discussions that I had, where it went really difficult in trying to build this sense because logically people understood the argument, right? You read the papers, we're all getting exposed to the same news. I'll give you an argument, you'll give me the counter argument. We've heard it on CNN, on BBC and Al Jazeera. You know, we heard the different perspectives on different issues, but I haven't seen you in reference to the issue. And so as I was running a meeting, this guy said to me, Amir, you're running too quickly. Yeah, I said, what do you mean? He says, we're not there. I mean, what do you mean you're not there? We're not emotionally there. And so I, I was, you know, fumbling. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I said, let's do a role play. And since then, by the way, Raj, I've learned that role play or being in the other person's shoes or constellation are such powerful techniques to shift the climate. And I've asked somebody to be representing of the other side and vice versa. And without going into too many details, I think you'll be able to hear more about that in the TED Talk where I describe that in detail, so I don't want to lose time here. But when someone makes the argument so eloquently of your side playing your role, you think, wow, point made. No need to continue preaching my point. But when the other person is also able to say, I'm walking with my hand, very, very moist, very tense, holding my son's hand, going to a roadblock, and I see that he sees the fear in my eyes, not knowing that that is the fear I fear for him, for what could be developed. And the side that is feeling a victim of that same reality for so long, all of a sudden notices it. They feel like you see me. And what they really mean is, you know what it feels to be in my shoes. And that is what empathy is. Empathy is the ability to be in the shoes of another person. So to your question, when you come to solve a dilemma, there is that rational, argumentative questions that need to be answered. But there's got to be a level of empathy that I know that you don't think that I'm sick in my head for me to think the way by the way, same thing in a couple. Honey, I, I see how difficult it's been for you and how being on your own for so long, away from your home country, needing to be away from your family and to handle all of these changes on your own is somewhat lonely and difficult. 
I see you. You know, you've just disarmed a very difficult argument of accusation, not feeling being seen or being heard. And you tell the other person, honestly, you're not sick in your head to feel the way that you do. The fact that you see things in that way has validity. I have different perspective on some aspects, but I can see why you see it that way. That is very powerful in dealing with different perspective. And the truth is, what I just said is true for sales, for business negotiation, for global negotiation, for dealing with issues that I have in my company, with people that work for me, always. These are fundamental principles of, re of a resolution. We need to first truly hear each other, see each other on an emotional and rational level. Well said, Amr. Thank you for sharing that. I can see how that will help not only people who are doing peace deals, but also everyday people, whether it's business, work, family, mentioned couples earlier as well. It's, it's a phenomenal um, tool. So as we start to wrap up, there are a couple of questions I have for you. One, which I think is going to be very helpful for the audience, and one I'd like to understand for so the first question I have for you is around if you would leave managers or business owners with one tool from the forum, it could be something different, to manage their teams better, to be to make sure that they're ready for the changes coming to us in the form of the world is shifting, there was on the world, AI is coming into the world, making people potentially redundant in the, in the current world. You're going to see a shift in what we do as individuals, perhaps. What would be the one tool you would say would be helpful for managers they can take with them and use, apply on a daily basis, perhaps, or regularly to kind of be ready for this shifting times we're going through? That's a great question. Um, I'll try my best. I'm sure you, being an expert on AI, would have a better answer than me for this. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts maybe later. But um, as I reflect on a lot of the difficult situations that I've been asked to come into, and then a lot of forums that I worked with, including my own forum, you know, I think that one thing that shifts the whole relationship to a to a much more effective and efficient degree of performance is the idea of uh, we take care of each other, we watch each other's back, and that we build a relationship of mutual trust and respect. That's one fundamental idea that people want to know, is it safe, am I alone, are you going to take care of me? So when I think about a world where a lot of jobs are going to be redundant, those that will need to leave will need to know that there is a way for them to take care of themselves in life and their families. What would that mean for them? What would they be doing? Right? It would be our responsibility to help them early on understand their move in life or the changes that they need to make to make themselves relevant and, and contributing and earning. 
So that's that's one level of taking care of each other because if society disintegrates between those who have been very privileged and those that are not, we will all pay the price of the disintegration. And so we need to manage that process of disintegration of society and create some counter integration to that. One way to do this is by the awareness that whatever machinery will come to play, there is the wisdom of the heart will take a bit longer for it to find its space. And that our professions and capabilities of being able to develop connection and empathy and collaboration are going to be very important. And professions that will deal with people and taking care of people the nurse that will sit in a hospice next to an older person at the edge of their life and comfort them and give them a sense of security in their last two weeks of life, those responsibilities will be there for a while. They will be, it will take a long time for machines to substitute that. And in that process, Maybe great things will emerge, like more free time for people to do things. And so we will be able to do a lot more with a lot less in order to give more people the privilege of having a quality of life that has more time with family and more time with children. This could be an amazing blessing. With automation, it would maybe be cheaper to produce things, more effective, more efficient, less costly to keep on providing more people in the world their necessity, but also giving them back what I think a lot of us have lost in the last maybe 80 years, which is time with our families and with our children, where we lose the most precious years that they have until 18 when they're still with us, and maybe more so until they're 12 before they're with their friends, and truly not be on our long journeys in conquering the world, but being able to be in connection and, and raising the family. And this is why I feel, Raj, that bringing forum into family is the most important frontier. Families that will work too well will raise children that will function well in society. They will understand responsibility and accountability and managing finance and roles, responsibilities in the family, those systems will be true. We haven't really taught people. We've sent people to business schools. We have multi-trillion dollars of institutions of higher education under our businesses. We don't have such institutions on how to run families and how to run family relationships. This, in my mind, is our big opportunity. And I'm always looking for people who collaborate with who have ideas of how to share these principles with the world. And maybe you are one of them. Your deep understanding and you being an early player in the field of AI and your PhD in that field could be very valuable to think how we bring those tools into families, not only to productivity of manufacturing cars through robotics. Somebody's taking care of that, but some of us need to take care about how we keep the families together. Revolutions in the past have disintegrated family systems that broke apart. Can we do something better this time? These are some of the questions I think we need to start working on early on. Thank you, Amr. And I resonate with that completely. As AI 
brings more free time. Without a doubt, it will bring in more free time, more productivity. That time should be spent on something more meaningful. And for me, family has been even more meaningful in the last few years as I've had my own child. And I can see the, the value of being a dad and what value does my daughter bring, bring to my life. Um, also, the point you made earlier about the haves and the have-nots, uh, we know the French Revolution and how that impacted uh, the whole economy, wiped out the whole country pretty much with, of their wealth because we had such a big divide. If don't think of that uh, today, then that can be challenging as well. So yeah, lots of good points there. I must say, I like the way you did a whole complete roundup, as it were, um, of all the points. This is really helpful. So last thing I- You're leading me through that. So this is very good. Thank you, Raj. This is, you know, just one more thought now that you say that, because I'm thinking, you know, the revolution, the industrial revolution had to take kids and put them in school in rows in order to lead them in learning to read and to write and to understand a little bit of history so that they could be functional workers in the revolution of building huge plants that manufactured things. And in that reality or coal mining is that the parents were not there. They, they sent their kids to another place to influence their life, to prepare them to life, but didn't really prepare them to life, didn't teach them about relationship, didn't teach them about managing money, didn't teach them about love, didn't teach them about, you know, raising a family in those institutions. Outsource that now maybe is the time to reintegrate back into that family. And you know, by the way, in India, people live in a compound, as you know, and they have a relationship, especially Indian families, that they keep on living with their grandparents. They keep the family together. We can learn from that more and bring more of that to the world, not dump the grandparents and grand, you know, in, a, in an old age house and come visit them once a month for half an hour and then run quickly outside. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was just talking to somebody recently about being Indian origin myself and being a Sikh. We used to have this thing called Sanja Chula, which means a common stove. So all the cooking was to happen together. And that was the opportunity to go and discuss things, talk about things like each other. In a compound or in a community that was central to talking, discussing, and, you know, venting out or just hearing people out. So, yeah, well, I think I, I'm confident that that, might be something which might happen in the future again as you start living people in live in a compound no the solution is not going back into a model of necessarily living together but conversing together so i did an event for what for eo in a city near delhi called gurgran i believe yeah. Yeah. right and they said amir we have very little kids they said so then they said can we bring our parents and I said, yes. And we had, I think, 36 families with grandpa and grandma sitting together in a small huddle with the grandchildren and their children. It was an amazing event. It was an amazing event. It was an amazing gathering of people who came there. And, and the kids heard their grandpa talk about what they had learned about dealing with something that they're now facing in life. That created a connectivity where all of a sudden grandparents were not sounding totally irrelevant to us. And sort of like telling stories that are 
out of sync with where we are as children. It was beautiful. That's what we need to do more. And I okay. think that, yeah, India is a great place for that. The whole East is much more drawn to family relationship, where you are in Thailand now, similarly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, it, it is beautiful. I think uh, I'm certainly learning a little bit more about family values as I spend more time living back in the East and uh, so leaving in my, my life in London behind, but uh, it, it is a phenomenal journey. Uh, that brings me to my last question about EO. Obviously, we met through EO, EO stands for Entrepreneurs Organization. Maybe if you can give us like one thing, how EO has, has impacted your life as an as a individual, business person, family person, whatever that might be. something in front of you. Uh, you see this one? Yeah. As I talk a lot about the family. Think, well, see what you can do and what I can do with my family. I can create a, a sense of what is our reason to be as a family and what's our vision as a family. Yeah. What are the core values? How do we celebrate birthdays? What's our ritual? What are the norms and the rules of how we engage? What are the languages of love in each of every one of us? And thus, what do we do in order for everyone to feel loved in their own unique way? What are the goals that we want to achieve in this family this year? And what's our bucket list for the next five years? Which cities do we want to live or visit? What do we want to accomplish together? And what feedback we want to give each other of appreciation because I see something in you that is very, very powerful. I want to make sure that your audience, if they wish, will scan this and mm -hmm. see the material that we have to offer them on how to go about doing the things that I'm sharing. One of the things that I've learned from my membership in the organization, to answer your question, Raj, is that the more we share what we know, the more we give out an open source kind of mindset, the more impact we can make, the more successful we can be. And success might be measured in different ways. Because I think at a certain point enough, you know, you have the cars you wanted, the house you wanted, you secured the education for your kids, and you've done what you need to do to take care. And then you say, what now? And I think making the world a better place, giving our contribution, helping fix the world, as we say in Judaism, tikkun olam, is our gift, is our commitment. So if I've learned something from EO is that it's an organization that knows how to make an impact and has a lot of members who've been very successful entrepreneurs that builds organizations that understand that we are here to make the world a better place. And that's what you're doing. Right now, there's no other motivation than to bring knowledge and to make this world a better place. As always, Amir, you, you, know, you always know how to communicate things the way they should be. And I, a lot of things hit home for me. One thing you mentioned was the open source mindset. 
think it's such a powerful thing. You know, if I've had the opportunity to come from humble beginnings and be able to come to the point we, we have, we want to give back as well. And I can't agree more that EO is a great way to give back. And you all do a bit. I mean, you took the time out to talk to me today about your journey and share your knowledge. And obviously, we all will love to scan that QR code and, 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 and come back to you with some more thoughts and ideas and, and hear your, your thoughts on how can you help us out. But um, you know, this is this is the circle of life we talk about, where you know we 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 learn, we get we receive things, and we give back. So thank you, Amir, for doing that. I really appreciate it in the bottom of my heart for your time today, for your knowledge, for your expertise, for your kindness that you always have imparted whenever I've spoken to you. Big hug of love, my friend. Be well. Keep doing the amazing things you do. I look forward to bringing more with you to the world and seeing you and hugging you and coming to Thailand or wherever it is that we meet again. I can't wait for that to happen, Amit. Thank you once again for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh...